0: Welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Alan Jansen, editor of Cars Magazine and Jamba News. This is a podcast that brings you new ideas, comments, and concerns about the automotive repair and service industry. Sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible for you to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Kind of a unique way to say thanks for having your car serviced here. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash 4Shops for details. We are also sponsored by the Automotive Aftermarket Parts Exposition, the Virtual Apex Experience Show, which will be held November 3rd to 5th and is free to attend. The Virtual Apex Experience offers free accredited training sessions presented by elite technicians who will address the industry's most important topics. Plus, there will be the opportunity for one-on-one meetings with key suppliers. These three days will serve as your own professional tune-up, providing information to keep your business and your customers' vehicles running efficiently. For more information, and to register, visit www.apexshow.com. In today's episode, I'm talking about warranty returns with David Tobin, Director of Strategy for California-based parts remanufacturer Motor Car Parts of America. MPA specializes in the remanufacture and supply of underhood and undercar parts. With more than 3,000 employees in four countries, they produce millions of automotive parts every year. Very few parts need to come back to them for quality issues. They're very proud of their reputation for quality, so you can imagine how they take it when parts come back that weren't effective at all. For reasons of confusion or expediency, perfectly good parts were bundled up and returned as defective. It's an issue the aftermarket has long been dealing with, usually quietly because no one wants to accuse anyone else of abuse, but I thought it was worth getting a better handle on the problem, so I called David up for his perspective. Hey, this is David. Hi David, it's Alan. I am looking forward to talking to you about this, because this is a subject that I've been concerned about for some time. I never know what should be my role as a as a journalist and as a, somebody who covers this industry in trying to talk about this issue and maybe find a resolution for it. How long have you been thinking about warranty issues and, and warranty policies? So for me, it's
1: been about six years, believe it or not. It's a different perspective when you're on the supplier side like I'm on now. You make a great product, you're always improving your product and your return rates go up and you're like, oh, this is killing me, right?
0: Yeah. Why is this? You must take the time to look at what's coming in and see if it actually does meet the criteria of uh, of a return.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we, we've got a team of people, you know, whether it's our quality department or the technical services and engineering. They will, you know, take a sample of product, say, you know, 500 pieces at a time, and then just run tests on it to see what's going on with it and stuff. That's a long practice. They've been doing that for a long time to improve the product. Tear it apart, failure mode analysis, root cause analysis, re-engineer
0: it, make it better. When you do the analysis on the stuff that comes returned, there must be times when you say this had no business being put in a box and sent back to us.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like uh, like it's covered in oil. And you're like, it's not my fault. (laughs) We don't use oil on, on our product. But there are cars that have specific problems, right? There's a Mitsubishi that there's a a cam seal leak. And unfortunately, the alternator is like right below it. So you end up with a 70% defect rate on that alternator.
0: And it has nothing to do with your manufacturing. It has everything to do with what the car was doing when that alternator was installed into it.
1: Exactly. And even with that said, you know, we want the TSBs on the product and we want to do information and all that kind of thing and say, fix the cam seal. The chances of that happening are like zero, <laughs> right? Because they're like, oh, I just have a bad ultimate. Customers not wanting a cam seal, right? And like, I got it. You don't want to fix this oil leak because it's another however much money. But the warranty should be thrown out the door then, right? It's like this is no longer under warranty. So once you put hours on, that's it. No coverage, period. All guys are like, hey, we'll put a TSB on there. I was like, what else can you do? You got to fix the problem for them. And they actually did they printed a drip guard to put on the alternator to deflect that oil. Return rates go from 70% to 20%, which is still a crazy high. It should be like zero.
0: First-time quality is what you're what you're really warranting against. Anything else really shouldn't be sent back to you. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for the most part, it, it shouldn't be. But I would agree with that.
0: So put yourself in the technician's shoes, what do you think they're thinking when they see that they have, in fact, ruined a, an alternator by installing it without without fixing these surrounding problems? What are they thinking? Um, maybe MPA can eat this cost?
1: You know, I don't know what the technicians are particularly thinking. So the first unit that came off is probably drenched in oil. They either have to have a conversation with that customer right then and say, if you have another problem and we, we need to fix it now, or there is no warranty on it. The problem with that probably from their eyes is the guy across the street will just say, well, yeah, I can do it for the same price and I'll give you a 90-day warranty or one-year warranty so they lose the job. So they're kind of in a catch-22.
0: What about when they uh, purchase the wrong part, it doesn't fit, and then they return that to the job? or that In theory, that shouldn't be a problem because they may not have wrecked it. it. Does that cause you headaches at all?
1: For our product, not so much but the the industry does have a problem with that because it goes through the entire supply chain again when you think about the cost that gets wasted well the way the supply chain works if that shop holds it for more than that day the store is going to reorder it immediately Mm -hmm. so then when when it does go back to the store now he's got two and guess what there's no room for two of anything in any store nowadays so then it goes back as a you know they 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 defected mm-hmm. they alleged defected right which is a is, is a major problem because instead of just reboxing it or doing something like that it now goes back to the entire supply chain it goes from the to the warehouse back to the manufacturer you know you got the freight cost with that we have to then inspect it tear it down like a, a brand new watchmaker that comes back it's just getting re, remanufactured no matter what it's just like it was a core. It just starts all over again. So now I've got all this cost. I've now built this thing for the second time for the same one sale.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's for a not mounted part. You said that sometimes people take off the original part, put that in a box and send that back.
1: Yeah. We'll we'll have instances of like we sell hub bearings. Their left and right are almost always the same, right? So they will buy a hub bearing for the left. And when they take that left one off, They'll just throw it in the box and say this one's defective or whatever, and we get stuff, and everybody gets stuff. This is not new, right? You get stuff that's got ten years of rust on it. Yeah, but there's a breakdown in you know a couple of things. One is customer satisfaction and not wanting to confront any return mm-hmm. with an individual, and then for the commercial side of it, what's the conversation they're going to be? They're going to have to call up that shop that's spending five, ten thousand dollars a month with them or more and say, you're not getting credit on this. I just don't know how people balance that. Sometimes you just don't write credit and see if they complain because they're not really legitimately due credit. But um, yeah.
0: But sometimes you just suck it up and, and give them credit for it. Yep. In order to preserve the relationship. Absolutely. There must be some shops that have a reputation for abusive warranty returns what happens then? I mean, does a jobber eventually start cracking down on that guy? Yeah, I
1: don't know what they actually do. I know when I was running a store and we didn't want those customers, we would just deliver slow to them, charge them more, you know, just those types of things.
0: What has been the discussion at MPA about warranties? What is it exactly that you guys would like to see happen?
1: Well, we'd like to see better accountability from the consumer. If you think about any product that you buy nowadays no matter where you buy it it's got tags on the box that say once you open this no return so in that instance i'm the consumer right i'm the one accountable for this i have to make sure that once i open this box it's all that and then if i want another one i have to go through their channels we don't do that in automotive we just say bring it back to the store and get another one there should be accountability for that person
0: but when you Talk about the consumer, though. Really, We're really talking about the technician or the shop that's that's doing the installation work. That's a good point. So, David, what would you say is the worst case of abuse you've ever seen?
1: The the outright fraud where they just put something in a box. It's it's just a brick or something like that, you know. Whatever comes the same weight as that product should be, no one's ever opened the box. They've just processed it like it was legit. They just wrote down port numbers on a piece of paper and said, Joe gets credit for this and he gets back to the store. And they said, okay, throw this in the warranty bin. And they send him a credit memo. It goes to the warehouse. The warehouse puts it in for returns. They never opened it up. Wow. And it travels all the way back to the facility across the country somewhere. And then we want to tear it down and reuse it. And you open it up and, and you're like, wow, what is this?
0: And, and by that time, you can't trace it back.
1: Not only that i paid the freight for it to travel across the country. On top of that,
0: yeah, wow, that that's out and out theft. There's just no other way to, to describe yeah. that.
1: And I, I think that's a small part of it, though. It's not. It's not like okay. It's not rampant like that. The biggest problem nowadays is just misdiagnosis. I mean, we we've got half of our product that's alleged warranty. We say it's alleged. Most of the stuff there's not really real manufacturer defect to it. Half the stuff is still good.
0: All right, so speaking about the industry at large, is poor warranty practice an industry-wide problem?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If it's a hard part, you've got problems. Whether it's outright abuse or misdiagnosis, yeah.
0: Ultimately, what's the impact on the industry from runaway warranty abuse?
1: Yeah, I think we're, we're trying to quantify that. I think it's easily a billion dollars. And it wouldn't shock me at all for it to be more than a billion. And that's in lost sales and costs and just waste throughout the system.
0: Yeah. It also probably hurts the reputation of a lot of companies, and that's not something you can quantify easily. Without a doubt. So what can jobbers do, given that they may not want to offend their clients by denying claims? How should they be handling this?
1: You know, I think it's information and getting that training and that knowledge out there. Almost every supplier, every big supplier for sure, has got a ton of information. And I I know you don't want to, necessarily spend an hour doing research to figure out what's wrong with something but there's got to be some basic diagnosis that happens and that's what has to be put across out there that you know no matter what the product is there's a simple one two three diagnosis that will solve probably 80 percent of the problems
0: Mm -hmm. and if a technician incorrectly installs a part and ruins that component obviously his profit margins on that job are going to go way down and he's feeling bad about it, and he'd like to find a way out, but it's not really fair to pin it on the jobber or the manufacturer, what would you like to see them do if they uh, if they ruin a part themselves? I guess take responsibility?
1: You know, that's that's a tough one there. I don't think that's even necessarily an issue that has to get addressed at this point in time. You think of how complex a car is now? Man, I, I don't know too many places that can not have a screw-up
0: at some point in time. Okay, so it sounds like what you're saying is, hey, look, if it's a an honest mistake, we can work with you. If it doesn't happen too often, then we're okay warranting that part. But I guess if it happens too much, let's get some training, make sure you're not doing it incorrectly. Is that, is that what you're saying? You're kind of being a little bit uh, yeah. generous there.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, an honest mistake I'm thinking is that you've done something after you've already done all the basics and something else happens
0: right and this is why manufacturers offer training so much because they would like to reduce the incidence of somebody installing it incorrectly or misdiagnosing it or not solving peripheral problems
1: yeah absolutely
0: that's why you guys do training
1: absolutely that's why we have training that's why we have websites and i think the other thing too is that you know consumers have to understand like that shop where he's saying hey you got an oil leak this is what caused the failure i know i just put this alternator on a year ago and it's going out but it's not the alternator's fault. Oh, you're right. And then the benefit to that is the shop now gets to sell it again, and he gets to fix the rest of the repair.
0: So this is a matter of customer education. Absolutely.
1: And I think the consumer in general has been conditioned to that, except in automotive.
0: So most manufacturers do track warranty claims. Is this number on the rise, or is it stable? Is it always the same? What what do you think is going on?
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely on, on the rise, Parts are getting better. You can hear on conference calls from the uh, automotive aftermarket where they say parts are getting better. Right? And they are. But warranty doesn't come down. Why is that? More misdiagnosis, more external contamination, all those things because it's more complex.
0: So what can manufacturers do given that they also want to keep their customers happy?
1: You know, I think we've reached that point where we need the industry to work to a solution. We need everybody together to say it's knowledge and all that that we're providing from the manufacturer side. It's got to be policy on the source side.
0: And then at the, the shop, they need to take the training. They need to read the instructions. They need to be sure that they know what they're doing when they install the part.
1: Without a doubt. And we need feedback from the installer to say, this is what I need to do it better. There's got to be a way for us to help that shop as well from the supply side. You know, the ones that are going through this the right way, we want to drive every sale to that person. <laughs> if Joe's Garage is going to do it right every time, I want to send customers to Joe's Garage until he's got 50 days.
0: Well, I really appreciate your giving me your perspective. It's uh, it's very helpful. Well, anytime, Mark. I hope we'll uh, meet someday face-to-face. Yeah. Bye. Okay, bye. Well, that's it for another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'd like to hear what you think about this issue. And if you have a point of view that you'd like to share with the industry, let me know. You could be a guest on an upcoming podcast. Just drop me a note at at newcom.ca. You can subscribe to Auto Service World Conversations on Apple Podcasts, Or simply visit autoserviceworld.com every Monday morning to hear another conversation. As always, I'd like to thank SiriusXM Canada and the Virtual Apex Experience Show for sponsoring us. And you for listening. I'm Alan Jansen. See you next time.